This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome back to the Rebel Author Podcast, episode 39. This week, I'm also talking to an extra special guest because I am talking to my very first writing tutor, Esther Chilton. We're talking all about how to earn money with short stories, fillers, reader letters and competitions. But first, last week I talked to my father, Stephen de Koningswater, and much to his delight, I had a lot of comments and love for the episode. So thank you very much to everybody who commented. His ego is now enormous. Um, and I know a few of you have said, will he be back? Will he come on the show? Maybe, <laughs> maybe not. I definitely need to let his ego deflate back to uh, normal sizes. So thank you all for um, the love that you gave that episode. I was really pleased as well because I wasn't sure if it was too left field um, and how it would go down. But yes, thank you. So to last week's question, which was, if you couldn't be a writer, what would you be? And we had a lot of lovely um, comments. So Kerry Hadiski said, if I couldn't be an author, I would probably have been a teacher. Tom Fowler said I'd be what I already am, which is an IT professional. Um, Erin McKnight said... um, Uh, That was a great episode. You and your dad were cracking me up. What would I do if I wasn't trying to become an author? I would probably be pursuing a career in music. I did opera in college after all, and I do miss the stage from time to time. Matthew said, Matthew Goodall said, I absolutely adored listening to to the two of you. Oh, thank you. And said, it sounds like there's a whole heap more that could be said. Maybe he can come back and interview you sometime. I will think about that. (laughs) Also said, I haven't laughed so much listening to a podcast in forever. Aw, well, thank you. I am glad the episode um, rang home, rang home, whatever that phrase is. I'm too tired to think about it real words. Um, He also said if he wasn't writing as an author, he'd be writing songs and recording them, which I think is lovely. I also thought it was nice that um, so many of you uh, still wanted to be in like creative fields um, oh, and I just realized I've missed somebody HB Lyme said uh, if I wasn't a writer I'd probably be some other form of creative entrepreneur maybe a coach or spiritual healer so again lots of you in creative industries okay to this week's question which is do you write short stories or flash fiction The book recommendation this week is, of course, our guest's book, which is called Publication Guaranteed, or that at least is the shortened version, and I will include that in the show notes. Okay, to my personal update. It's been a very weird week because it was the end of a quarter, and for me, it felt like a real end of a a junction or a period. Um, Although we haven't quite finished moving into the house properly because um, our carpets have been delayed until the 15th of July, uh, and that means we can't really move our furniture in, um, it, it, it was sort of the end of a big period of redecoration and renovation for us. And obviously it was the end of a quarter, as I've mentioned, and 
I also finished um, the two non-fiction books that I was co-writing with Jay Thorne on the last day of the quarter too. And we're also easing out of lockdown in the UK, so it really felt like the end of a phase for me. Um, and I do, which I, which I really like because I get very excited by new and change and the start of things. But it's also a little disorientating, or at least I feel it's a bit disorientating because I'm trying to like realign myself to a new phase and that always takes a little bit of time to settle in. Uh, I have now set up my quarter three projects, which makes me super excited and pumped. Um, although <laughs> I'm looking at how many I've got and I, I'm just like, Sasha, no, what are you doing? Uh, knowing full well that two of the three months my son is still not going to be at school. So we will see how that goes. This week I am working on Trey uh, at last. I know at last. I It's now been two years since I published the last fiction book. I have been writing fiction but I haven't published any and um, that is weighing heavily on my mind and also because I owe readers the next book, let alone the two after that. But anyway, and I am also working on the prose course Last but by no means least, I have been priming my audio booth, uh, which basically means painting it uh, to seal in any of like the dusty bits of, of the wood. And so it's all ready for hammering together, which we will do once the carpets have been delivered on the 15th of July. The other thing that really bothers me about the carpets, which is sort of a discovery, is that I still don't have my bookcase. Now, it seems like such a shallow thing to be bothered by and I really didn't expect to be as bothered as I am but not having any books in the house and not having like my bookcase on display has really bothered me in a in a in a surprising way um I guess I I know I'm an author and like and a bibliophile generally and therefore obviously I love having books around me but I seem to sort of derive a pleasure out of just seeing the books and being around them which is understandable I suppose as an author and probably explains why I'm happy to go to bookstores just to be in the bookstore and not necessarily to buy anything uh, but just to be surrounded by the books but yeah I've been surprised at how bothered I am by that um I don't I don't know what it means I don't, I don't know what to say about it it's just it's just a discovery so yeah how do you guys feel about being around books or being places that don't have books, perhaps. Okay, listener rebel of the week. This week is Katrina Hood. Katrina says, uh, this is a story from my teenage years. So my parents brought me a pretty crappy car for my first car. It was $800 and it was a Nissan Bluebird. Anyway, my friends and I used to take it down to the river and drive like crazy around the gravel roads. Needless to say, it wasn't good for the car. Well, anyway, that year for New Year's Eve, my friends were all going away up to Nelson, top of the South Island in New Zealand. And I asked my parents if I could take my car. They said no. To be fair, it was making some pretty dodgy noises and one of the brake pads had recently fallen out. Anyway, did that stop me? No, no, it didn't. So I pretended I was just driving round to my friend's place and we were going to go in another car. But we took my car. We had only just made it out of town and onto the motorway when it broke down. 
Luckily, some other friends were able to pick us up and I abandoned the car on the side of the road. I waited until we were a good two hours out of town before texting my mum to let her know. Let's just say my parents were less than impressed with me, especially since they had to arrange a tow to get it home. They were not happy when I got back from our trip. <laughs> I really shouldn't giggle about these things, but oh, I just can't help it. I do so love your stories. Oh, if you would like to be a rebel of the week, please do send in your rebel story. It can be any kind of rebellion, big, small, or something in between. You can email your rebel story to rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com or tweet me at rebelauthorpod, or you can post it in the Rebel Authors Facebook group. One new patron this week, welcome and thank you to Bethany Pratt. I really do appreciate it. And I also appreciate and deeply love all of my current patrons who help to keep the podcast running. And as always, you make me feel like what I do is worthwhile. I have posted a poll in Patreon now to um, get your votes on what time would work for the Patreon only Q&A and um, that is going to be on the 30th of July. So if you haven't already, please make sure you post your vote to let me know what time of day would suit. If you would like to support the show and get access to all of the bonus essays, posts and content, you can from as little as $2 a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. And that's Sasha with a C and not an S. Quick note on the audio for the show. Um, the audio isn't the best quality this week. I can only apologize. Um, I am in a very echoey room and uh, I hope that that should be sorted uh, very soon and I shouldn't have any more problems. I will make sure that the right mic is recording. Hello and welcome back to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today I am joined by an extra special guest, somebody who is super important to me, my very first ever writing tutor. Esther Chilton is a freelance editor, tutor and writer who lives in Newbury, Berkshire. She has had hundreds of articles and short stories published on a broad range of topics in all sorts of magazines and newspapers. Esther loves being a tutor for the Writers Bureau, and she also helps other writers through her editing, proofreading and advice service. Welcome, Esther. Thank you very much, Sasha. It's a pleasure to be interviewed by you. Um, yeah, <laughs> real treat. <laughs> yeah, and I am so grateful um, that I, well, started taking the Writers Bureau course all those years ago um, and got to meet you because you had such a huge impact on my writing and my, um, yeah, publishing journey. So thank you so much for coming on. And I know that we've got to meet in person, but uh, yeah, every time it's always very special and meaningful to me. So thank you. No, it's an absolute pleasure. And yeah, it was great that first time we met up, you know, because I don't often get to meet many of my students. So it's just brilliant. So yes, and to see you on your writing journey and how you've grown and where you are now and where you're going to go. Really exciting. So yeah, and you are one of the few lucky people I got to see my shitty writing before I published. <laughs> <laughs> my terrible first attempts at short stories my god no no I I knew there was potential there I could see it so. <laughs> okay so tell everyone a little bit more about you your writing journey and how you got to where you are today 
Well, I actually, um, I've always loved words, and yet I went into banking, which is, you know, it was my dad really saying it's a secure job, it's, you know, it'll earn you good money, and I absolutely hated it, but I stayed there for years, and then I had a fall at home and injured my back, so I couldn't actually work at the bank anymore, Um, and while I was recuperating, I just saw an ad in the newspaper for the Writers Bureau, and I thought, okay, I've always wanted to do this, now why don't I? you know, I've got the time, let's give it a go, I've got nothing to lose. So I took the course and I sort of took their advice and you sort of start small, uh, writing readers' letters and fillers, gradually building up to articles, short stories, writing competitions. And I found that I was soon having work regularly published, um, winning competitions and going from strength to strength. And, you know, I thought, this is great. This is something I want to do. Um, And then I actually became a Writers Bureau tutor myself. And I'm now in my 12th year of being a Writers Bureau tutor and absolutely love it. Um, I also fell into copywriting sort of by accident um, and ended up doing a stint at Vodafone. And that was good fun, something completely different. And it's really good because it really hones your writing. You've got to write really succinctly. Um, And then after that, I started my editing and proofreading service a number of years ago. I just thought, well, I've got my writer's bureau experience and writing experience. Let's just give it a go. And I tentatively started. And again, it's just gone from strength to strength. And I've not had to advertise or anything. And I get repeat clients and word of mouth. And it's something I really enjoy. So my days are quite busy and full. Um, I have to split them between editing, marking assignments, the Writers Bureau. Um, I also do some Skype tuition with the Writers Bureau, which is brilliant. Um, Working on articles for magazines, my books, um, my blog, and I also edit my local Cats Protection magazine. So, yeah, it's quite busy, but I love it. Absolutely. That is an extremely busy um, schedule. Oh, my goodness. And (laughs) yes, I will eventually get another book to you. (laughs) It's only been two years since I published fiction. Oh, my God. Anyway. um, okay. so it's your books that we are here to talk about today. And one specific book, uh, which is called or the or the first part of the title is Publication Guaranteed. And this book looks at a niche form of writing and how you can make money with it, specifically um, reader letters, fillers, articles, short stories and competitions. So could you briefly explain the difference between each one of those? and also how you can actually earn money from each one of those. Yes, um, so reader's letters, that's, you start off very small, uh, reader's letters are everywhere. You find them in local and national newspapers, women's weeklies, gardening magazines, hobby magazines, writing magazines, there are letters everywhere. Um, And they vary in the type of letter they publish. Um, Some publish articles about um, articles and issues previously mentioned in the magazine or, or newspaper. Others like personal stories or rants about things that annoy you there's all sorts um some don't actually pay or you win a prize if your letter's published others for example a lot of the women's weeklies do pay for letters um I still write readers letters now really enjoy writing them they're short um, easy to do and I'm lucky to have them regularly published and it is possible to earn sort of up to 100 200 pounds a month just from readers letters um and again it doesn't take much they're short um sometimes under 50 words um so I will always tend to write several of those a month and send them off um and then you soon sort of find you've got checks coming in um fillers 
Uh, a lot of people aren't sure what a filler is and are quite confused. Um, but it's essentially just a short article, often under 100, uh, 500 words. Um, an example of a publication that uses them is Reader's Digest. They have a slot, um, it's a travel feature of around 400 words inviting readers travel stories and they pay for those and they also have a true life anecdote slot and again they pay for those and it's just a few words about a funny that sort of happened. The women's weeklies also have lots of slots and they're often in terms of like a even like a beauty question that you ask and they pay for those and um, they also have lots of opportunities just for photos and just a little caption underneath and again they pay for those. Uh, moving on to articles, uh, magazines and newspapers need articles about all sorts of topics from anniversaries to sport to health to nostalgia. Some do use in-house writers, others use freelance writers. Um, they can vary in the length. Um, payment also varies between publications. But if you regularly have articles accepted, it's possible to make a good income from them. Uh, short stories. The short story market has changed dramatically over the years with fewer paying markets, but they're still out there in the form of the women's weeklies, literary magazines, e-zines e and, and more. Um, sometimes you can find a market that you didn't even know published short stories, such as a cat magazine. Again, payment varies. In terms of competitions, there are numerous short story and poetry competitions out there. You'll find some that have a prize fund running into four figures while others simply offer publication as a prize. It's not easy to regularly win writing competitions and to earn lots of money, as judging is very subjective. But if you do win, as well as a possibility of a decent cash prize, it gives you your writing authority. You can write, your writing is being picked over others, and your writing was good enough to win a writing competition. And if it's good enough to do that, it's good enough to send out editors and to get published elsewhere. So those are essentially sort of like the differences sort of between them and sort of ways you can earn from them. And should uh, a writer start with any particular one? Should they um, just plump for it, have a go, see what's out there? Or do you advise like starting with one particular one? Um, I think it's good. It's like the Writers Bureau um, advise you to start, you know, with sort of small. And again, that's what I've sort of shown in my path, you know, with the book. If you start with something like a reader's letter, it's small, it's short. And it's just wonderful. The, you know, when students sort of say, I've had a reader's letters published. It's only a reader's letter but it's publication and it gives you confidence. And that's exactly what I found. Having Reader's Letters published, I then had confidence to start writing fillers and articles and short stories. And so it's good to start small because you need that confidence to go on. Whereas I used to, you know, I wrote short stories years ago and I sent them out to like Women's Weekly and the People's Friend. They were all rejected and they were crap. Absolute <laughs> crap. So... I can see now I look back and I think oh my god you know yes no wonder that wasn't published mm. um, and then when I took the course it's starting off small and you learn your craft and mm. you, you build as you go along whereas I think sometimes if you start too big and it's the same with writing competitions it's like I entered writing magazine competitions and it's like oh I didn't win and and then once I sort of started off small and learned and learned about research as well market research is so important I then began to win them and sort of see so I, I think it's it's not expecting too much. There are some writers who are fantastic, phenomenal, and they win straight away. 
but they're the few you know a lot of us have to do our craft and you know like remember those stories Sasha that you used to send in you know (laughs) (laughs) oh god this is so awkward yes I do remember those (laughs) terrible stories I actually found the other day the very first draft of Keepers and fuck me it was so terrible like the strange thing is I can still see the story there so all the characters are there all of the the, like the plot is there but oh my god the writing is just so bad but also that's wonderful because that shows me quite how far I have come um and I'm it's, it's funny because I'm like in this weird place now where I am trying desperately hard to finish the third book in the series and I'm really struggling because my writing has come so far just from the, the one the version of keepers that actually got published so I'm I've got this internal conflict where I'm like well I don't you know I'm not I'm not in love with keepers anymore because I can see there are problems and issues there but that is who I was as a creative and a writer at the time so I published the best book I could publish then um but because so much time has elapsed it's making it really hard for me to finish the series but um anyway I still have my very first reader's letter that got published um and I kept a copy of the magazine which I don't know if is like you know silly but yeah it it meant a lot to me when I when I got it published and so yeah it was in um Diva magazine uh although I didn't I only had an initial because I didn't want my name um in it at the time but yes I kept it because I was like that was me um yeah I think it's important to do I mean I do still have a lot of things that I have had published magazines and all sorts of things like that and actually it's quite nice to look back on those especially because we all as writers we have those moments where we're like I'm shit I can't write I'm no good mm-hmm. and it's good to look at them and think yes oh I did that I can write it's it's good you know and just to give you you know that that feeling of yes I'm, I'm going to do this I'm going to continue you know because I know so many writers are like oh no I, I'm going to stop and 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 they do and and no you know you can always continue but I think also it's good to look back and see how you've grown like you have and you know yeah and I think the same in terms of books you know you know we're all going on a writing journey we've all got a lot to learn and I find um like now I subscribe to a writing magazine and I learn from it all the time and I read and devour the articles in there and I think you know even though I've been writing for a long time and I'm a tutor myself I think we all learn and learn from others and can look at things in different ways absolutely there's I don't get to the end of a book without having learned something these days just because I like to deconstruct them so much and mm-hmm. yeah and and whether that be a good lesson or a bad lesson you know you learn from the, the bad stuff as well as the good stuff yes um, okay I've noticed that lots of competitions and places take shorts um, and short stories but but they have particular style preferences so for those wanting to enter what advice would you give them for actually fitting a style that may not match their natural voice uh, with regards first of all to magazines and short stories um, the best advice is to immerse yourself in the magazine read 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 devour their stories then you can get a really strong feeling for their style and what they're looking for 
Um, I think that's especially important in terms of the women's weeklies because, you know, for example, a magazine like The People's Friends likes quite, you know, sort of cosy, heartwarming stories. And again, you've got to get the style and the feel right. It takes quite a while. And I know it took me a while to get it right for them. But I think once you've got it, you're really in there. Um, but it is, it's just through reading the magazine, really sort of taking apart their stories, um, that it really helps you to then write your own to fit in um, and with regard to competitions I think sometimes that's quite hard because every competition is different you've got judges that are different um, but again if you take a competition that's been running for a number of years you can um, read previous winning stories you know often you'll sort of see and it's good to see what makes a winning story the type of writing the type of feel the style the tone the language um, and it helps you understand a bit more about what the judge is looking for and the competition as a whole. And if you can find out a little bit about the judge too, that helps. What writing do they do? What kind of style? You know, it sort of gives you then an idea of what they're going to like. And so it'll help you to get your story, um, you know, sort of right and you stand sort of a better chance. Um, I mean, judges always say that they're looking for something a bit different, but again, they still have their preferences, you know, mm -hmm. as to what they like. Different but same. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> How yeah. many times do we hear that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so I personally have always found the extremes of writing easy. So flash fiction, for example, that is under 300 words or under 100 words or, or whatever. And then similarly, writing novels. But I can't seem to write short stories. So anything that's within that 1500 words to sort of 10,000 words, um, length in length I, I just either it, it's flash fiction or it becomes a novel or a novel idea which is really frustrating because uh, it stops me from entering lots of these things how so how do you keep a nugget of story small enough that it stays within the confines of a short story and how much like also like what are the difference differences between a 2,000 word short story and a 10,000 word short story for example um, yeah, it is quite difficult. I know um, I've been quite lucky. I do find it comes quite easily to me. I can write like flash fiction, but I can write a short story as well. Um, I do tend to, you know, write a lot of like 1500 word stories. Um, I mean, I have written sort of um, 5000 word stories, um, but I tend to be, tend to keep it sort of smaller. Um, whereas, you know, I find like, oh, I'm not sure I could write a 90,000 word novel. Um, you know, it's, it's quite interesting, actually, because I think, you know, oh, it, it's easy to write a short story, but how do people write the novel? Whereas, you know, it's like my partner writes really, you know, long novels, but he can't write a short story. I mean, he's recently revamped a short story of his that was 10,000 words, and it's now 70,000 words, so it's a novel. <laughs> <laughs> so he, amazing yeah he finds it hard to do what I do but then I'm not sure I could do what he does you know so I think sometimes you know you have a talent in in you know a, a, a certain you know sort of niche but I think you know I do want to write a novel so I'm sure you know and it's something I do want to do um but I do know people will often say to me how do you manage to bring a story to life and get people to care about the characters in only a few words um but I tend to find the key uh planning definitely I don't always go into great depth but I do find it helps to plan so before I start I'll outline the story I'll know the beginning the middle and end and then I tend to, once I've planned the story, I tend to leave it and let it 
it work its way in my mind. Um, so I might be washing out, uh, washing up or going for a walk. Um, and I'll let the sort of characters, the setting, the scene, how the events going to unfold. Um, I'll let it sort of grow and work its way. And sometimes it does take a very different path to one I have planned. Um, but I do sort of have a notebook so I can jot down ideas um, and then I'll sort of tweak my plan before I start. But I do find with a short story, tight succinct writing is a must otherwise it can grow you can let the characters and story it takes over um, and so it does become more like a novella or a novel um, so I always find every word has to count um, all the stories are right have set limits whether it's for a competition a woman's weekly um, so once I know my story plan as I write I know how much of the story I need to devote to the beginning how much the middle the climax um, so I tend to sort of really have worked out into my head you know in my head and I do find it quite you know I'm okay with sticking to that word limit I, I also find I'm not one of these writers who you need to write a 1500 word story and you find you've got 3000 words at the end and then you've got to really trim it back I tend to be able to sort of do that but I do think it helps having come from Again, I don't know if it's like writing readers' letters to start with because you have to keep those short. Um, also doing the copywriting because you really have to, you know, keep that, you know, within a frame. So I do think that helps. But I do find the planning really does help and then you can keep everything tight. Um, but I do tend to, you know, because within the, the short stories, you've still got to get into the character's head. You've still got to connect with the reader. But I tend to really imagine myself as a character how they would feel how they would see things um and, and you know so I do sort of try and get immersed in the story but still within the constraints of keeping it sort of short um and I think also don't have too many characters because otherwise then it is going to develop into something longer you know they usually say no more than four um and don't make the story too complex either because then you've got all sorts of different threads and then it sort of it takes over from you um you know as well so you've got to keep that tight yeah that's probably part of my problem is when I try and think of when I create story generally it's it is complicated the next book I write though I'm going right back and simplifying everything so I have like a tagline and that is like the the whole premise of the book and and so I'm trying to keep it there's only like two subplots, whereas <laughs> the, the whole Keeper series went a bit nuts. And I, I made that very new boy, uh, new girl, new, new schoolboy era, whatever the phrase is, of trying to put everything into a book. Um, <clears throat> yeah, whereas I'm not doing that with the next one. <sighs> um, OK, how do you go about finding places that pay, actually pay for fillers and short stories and articles and, and competitions, etc.? So the research is absolutely key. Um, when I started writing many, many moons ago, the internet wasn't around. And so you had to physically go to the news agents and find magazines to write for. So I still do that. You do need an actual copy of the magazine you're writing for. Otherwise, how do you know what they actually want? If you write something and then you try and fit it to a market or you just dash it off to the market, you're going to reduce your chances of being accepted. Um, there are lots of tools nowadays to help you to find markets to write for. There's one that I've just signed up to called Readly, and it allows you to download hundreds of magazines for a set price per month. And um, at the moment, they do have like a special offer. You get a couple of weeks free. 
um and I found it really good you know I've got it like you can just have it on um your laptop or you can have it on your phone um as an app and you can just have a look um so it's it's really invaluable so you, you're not having to spend lots of money per month um you know to find magazines so I, I'm finding that's a really good tool um at least you know it, it, you may not be able to see you know sort of writer's guidelines but if you can see the magazine you can then email you know you, you can find out the details from that um, I also, as I've said, subscribe to Writing Magazine. They have lots of brilliant competitions themselves, and they also give you information of lots of others as well. They actually have a pullout um, every year detailing thousands of you know, magazine, uh, competitions to enter. And they also have lots of pages on magazines accepting articles and short stories. And I've actually found lots of new markets that way from their information. There's also the Writers and Artists Yearbook. Um, a lot of us tend to think of that as like being like a, a publishers and agents guide. And it is. It's fabulous. But they also have lots of magazines and newspapers as well. And they often give information about whether freelance submissions are accepted and payment information as well. I didn't know um, that. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it is useful because I think a lot of people tend to miss that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they uh, yeah, they I, I was quite fortunate enough to get this year's one. I, it was a, a prize for a star letter in writing magazine. So I got a new one this year. And um, yeah, there's loads of magazines in there. So it is it's a good tool to have, you know, for all sorts of reasons, as well as the writing advice it gives. Um, and also you can just use Google. Um, you can type into your writing competitions and uh, you'll get, you know, hundreds will come up all sorts of things if you want to write for a cat magazine you can just put you know cat magazines and lots will come up you know international ones as well um if you want to write for the women's weeklies even if you put writer's guidelines for the women's weeklies you'll often find some of those will come up like for women's weekly or the people's friends so that can be really useful so there's all sorts of ways amazing and um i've written down readly and if you can send me the link i'll make sure it goes into the show notes as well yes yeah no will do perfect okay so what mistakes do you see writers making when they try to do these shorts or fillers or or articles um lots of it, it's very easy to make lots of mistakes and i know because i made them myself you know many years ago so uh, with readers letters it's very easy to make them too long um, the editor wants to get as many letters on the page as they can, so keep it short. Um, a good thing to do is to look at the publication and actually count the number, you know, the average word length of the letters so that you get it right. Um, you know, for example, I've seen sort of writers, they'll write something that's like 300 words and the average is 50 words in the publication. So editors will, you know, sometimes they'll edit a letter, but if you've written a 300 word letter, um, they're not going to for a 50 word slot, they haven't got the time. Mm -hmm. um, the wrong type of letter is also an issue. For example, if a magazine only publishes letters about issues previously covered in the magazine, don't write in about a funny incident involving your Auntie Barbara. It'll be rejected. <laughs> So, you know, that's very easy to do. Or sometimes you think, oh, you know, they could do with this type of letter. They don't want it, you know, so you've, you've got to keep to what they're looking for. And it's a similar case with fillers and articles. Often the wrong type of piece is sent in or something that's too long. Um, and as I've just said, writers write what they think the magazine should publish rather than what the magazine actually publishes. So writers need to familiarise themselves with the publication and the type of writing the magazine uses. As regards short stories, you do need to offer something a little different. 
Often writers cover the same old themes. That's fine. But look at that theme from a different angle. Try and give it a new spin. It is quite difficult with women's magazines, uh, particularly because they, they like things a certain way. But again, you know, you do need to put a little, a slightly different spin on it. Um, otherwise, it's, you know, sort of the same old, same old. Um, with short stories, writers sometimes forget that there needs to be an actual story. It needs structure. It needs that beginning to hook the reader's interest, the main body to create tension and conflict, building up a sense of atmosphere all the while, propelling the reader along with the characters towards the story's climax. And then the ending needs to leave the reader satisfied. It mustn't fall flat, otherwise your hard work will all be for nothing. Um, and whatever you do, don't let it all have been a dream. I still see that from time to time. No. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's just no, no. <laughs> oh my god! Ultimate yeah. cliche. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So you're an editor. What tips or advice do you have for writers on editing their stories and articles for these um, markets? So. Um, in terms of corrections and mistakes, we all make them, um, but always set your work aside for a day or so after you've completed it, then read it through with fresh eyes. We all get so close to our work. Um, so often, if we've missed a word, for example, we automatically fill it in because we know what it should say. Um, and looking at a piece of work as a whole, in the case of a story or article for a magazine, it's a good idea to go back to the magazine and read several articles or stories in the magazine, depending on what you've written, then go back to your own. I've done this many a time, especially when I'm writing for a magazine I haven't written for before. Be really analytical, stand back and think, okay, have I got mine right? Does it fit in with those articles or stories in the magazine? It's sometimes hard to do that, but I've learned to do that and really, you know, be critical. Have I used subheadings like the articles um, in the magazine? What about box outs? Have I brought the article to a satisfactory conclusion? In the case of a short story, does the opening ramble on too long? Are my paragraphs too long in comparison to those stories in the magazine? Have I ended the story in the way the magazine likes, for example, with a twist? Is the storyline strong enough? and I'll then look at it and make any necessary change changes so you you really do need to stand back you know because it is hard because it's our precious piece of work mm. but it is essential for getting published should should a writer send it to an editor like a paid editor before they then send it to the magazine um they can do I mean I have edited articles and short stories for people you know they, they've wanted that um you know but it, it's, it's very much a natural you know a matter of whether you want to or not um and I think again it depends on how sort of confident you know so you're sort of feeling you know in yourself um would would an article or a short story that had a couple of typos or mistakes in it get be rejected do you think um or would they be forgiving of that no they would be forgiving you know, because I mean, sometimes I do actually see even in, you know, magazines, sometimes I think things have got a little bit sloppier, dare I say. And I do sometimes find when I'm reading an article, there are mistakes in there, mm. um, you know. And yeah, and, and, and I think, you know, that that's, yeah, uh, um, I mean, really, they should be corrected in there. But I don't think if the article or the short story is good enough, 
it, it will, you know, it will be Speak picked up. It, yeah. it really will. So I don't think that's too much of an issue. So I think really, in terms of getting edited, it's really if you're really unsure about the content, you know, if there's more sort of to it, if, you know, then perhaps. Um, but I will say sort of like if, if you've got like um, in the case of a competition, if you've got uh, a judge picking out two stories, if one is absolutely brilliantly written with no mistakes, the other's also brilliantly written with lots of mistakes, they will pick the one that doesn't have the mistakes. So try and get it as error free as you can. But one or two, it's really not going to matter. OK. All right. This is always my favourite question. So this is the Rebel Author Podcast. <laughs> Tell everyone about a time you unleashed your inner rebel. Right. Well, I saw that and I thought, well, <laughs> my new book is all about keeping within guidelines and producing what editors and judges want. So much of my writing life has been about keeping within boundaries. And so there's not been much chance to, you know, rebel. Um, so I thought, well, I'll look at rebelling in a slightly different way. And I'm actually doing it right now at this moment in taking part in this podcast because <laughs> it's completely outside of my comfort zone, as is teaching at Swanwick Summer School this year. So obviously that's been postponed to next year because of COVID-19. But I put myself forward to teach a course this year. It scares the hell out of me, the <laughs> thought of standing up in front of an audience and talking. But I want to do it and I want more of it to grasp every opportunity. And it would be easy not to to Karen as I am but there's something inside me and perhaps is that rebellious side that's urging me on that's saying go on do it so it's a case of feeling the fear and doing it anyway yeah amen that's exactly how I live my life whatever I'm afraid <laughs> of I, ha I have yeah. to do with the exception of jumping out of a plane which I just think is madness yeah. I don't know why anybody <laughs> does that <laughs> no no I completely agree <laughs> yeah um, okay, cool. Thank you for your time. Tell everyone where they can find out more about you, your books and your editing services. So uh, the main place you can find me is my blog. Um, I blog about all things writing, including tips and publications to write for. I also hold regular writing challenges, including limericks and short stories. So you can find it if you just look up Esther Chilton blog. Um, you'll find a section on my books, which are all available from Amazon, as well as my editing services, should anyone want some help. Um, you can email me. It's just estherchilton at gmail.com. Um, you'll also find me on Twitter. Um, so it's at Esther Newton. 201 is where you can find me there and I highly recommend Esther's editing service I have used it multiple times and she is an exceptional editor so yes I do highly recommend uh, using her and I will include links uh, in all the show notes and actually one other uh, compliment whenever I am full and I can't do developmental edits guess where I send everybody straight to <laughs> Esther so yes I, I highly recommend Esther's editing service you're making me blush thank you <laughs> <laughs> um thank you very much for your time today and thank you also to all of the show's patrons if you would like to get early access to all of the episodes then you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash sasha black thank you to all of our listeners as well today i'm sasha black you were listening to esther chilton and this was the rebel author podcast next week i'll be talking to joseph alexander who after a publishing rebellion turned around and has a business that sold over six hundred thousand books so that is next week don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher and when you have a moment please leave a review